Well, good morning to all of you. Boy, that sounded very half-hearted. Well, good morning to all of you. Okay. I don't know what to do with you people, I'm telling you. Okay. Well, it's good to be back in New Brunswick Bible Institute. I thought it would take me about a thousand years to get here. Maybe 38. I was wandering in the wilderness called Montreal on Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> Trying to find a way to get to the South Shore to get on the 20 to come down here. And then I nearly got blown off the highway at one point. I don't know what was going on. I tell you, that wind was so heavy. Well, anyways, we still survived. And we're here to be with you, and I'm glad to have this privilege um, to share some time with you this morning. Now, Mr. McMahon shared with you that I like to talk about things that have to do with Israel, and I do, and I'd love to. Actually, you all have an assignment starting today, and it concludes tomorrow. Sorry, this is an extra. This is school. You had an assignment, right? Okay. Didn't laugh at that one. Watch out. I know who you are. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Every single one of you here has to come see me at the table I'm going to set up outside the dining hall. If you don't, I'm going to come looking for you, and I carry a stick. (laughs) Just come and see me and say hello. I may have my guitar with me. I may even be playing it. If you play guitar, bring it over. I don't mind doing that. I haven't played much guitar this year. I had that wrist fixed first and then that one, and that's what happens when you play guitar for 42 years and play baseball for 38. That's how I why I walk with a stick and all those other things. Actually, speaking of baseball, I, your, your trusted instructor over here, I know he's a Red Sox fan, so this is for you. This is my favorite Sports Illustrated cover of all time. Okay, we'll just close in prayer. How did, the Red, <laughs> how did the Red Sox lose their way? Check my Facebook page. It'll be there the rest of the winter. But then again, don't laugh too hard at me. I'm a Mets fan, and they blew it in the ninth inning last night, so... Take your Bibles. You have a Bible, I presume. This is New Brunswick Bible Institute. You should have a Bible with you. If you don't, I'll speak to you later, too. Turn to Acts chapter 13. While you are turning there, I'm going to pray, and we'll get going. Father God, thank you today for the privilege to be here in this room, in this place, to serve you and to be served of you by these young people. Father God, I would just ask today that if one person has a sense of your calling somewhere, that you would draw them to you today and send them to the place that you would have them to be. But to do that, we need to be submissive to you and uh, ready to go where you call us to go. And now we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Starting in Acts chapter 13, really starting in verse 1, I want to read the first three verses. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there, that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, there's an important name, Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. 
Probably one of the most important words in those three verses uh, is the word called. And I just want to share with you this morning some recent ministry events, ministry experiences, things that have happened in the ministry that God called us to about 27, 28 years ago now. And that we have been, uh, after preparation in school, and actually still preparing in school, I'm trying to finish up a couple of courses right now. Um, We started 25 years ago, and I've been in Ottawa, the national capital, and all the Andreans around and everywhere God has called us to go, doing the work of Jewish evangelism, doing the work of evangelism, which is what God called me to do. And the word there is called. And you are at the cusp of something perhaps beginning and starting in your life. You're here in this school. Perhaps you're here because someone said this is a good place for you to go and there may have been a little bit of compulsion and you were sent and you're here. Perhaps you're here because you're looking and wondering what God has called you to and if he is in fact calling you. He may not be, you don't know. This may be a place where he's going to prepare you for something to send you somewhere else, to be prepared to do something else. But let me share with you this, that whatever it is that you are doing right now, I would want to encourage you to grab hold of the time and make use of it. Because before you know it, it's going to be gone. Now I'm going to use a little illustration in my own life. And it's simply this. Last fall and winter, I performed two weddings in 70 days. And that's the most weddings I have performed in succession like that in all of 25 years. I've done weddings before, but I I don't have a church that I actually minister in. So I don't get to do weddings on a regular basis. And those two weddings that I performed were first my oldest son in Toronto, on November the 12th, and then my middle son in Ottawa on January 21st. And it seems like yesterday we moved back to Canada, moved to Ottawa, and my kids were like this. And that's the point I'm trying to make to you. Before you know it, whatever time God has given you here in this place is going to go. And so what are you doing with it? And what is God calling you to? Is he calling you. Now, 28 years ago, I knew that God was calling me to ministry. Now, very quick backup, a little bit of personal testimony. I'm Jewish, and 12 days after I was married, I accepted Jesus as personal savior. Now, my wife, Hillary, has a very English-sounding name, and that's because Her mom was a war bride who came from Manchester, England after the war, who had married a a Canadian soldier overseas and came back to Canada with him. But my wife is Jewish too. Now I want you to put two and two together. My wife had married a Jewish guy under the chuppah by Rabbi Kramer in Montreal and 12 days later her husband becomes a Christian. And the only important thing after I became a believer, and by the way, it was over about a three or four year series of things that were happening in my life back in the 70s 
which uh, was a product of things that happened in the 60s, the Jesus movement time and everything else, and that's kind of the time I came out, I've come out of. And the only thing that became important for me after that was that she would become a Christian. And 5.050 weeks later, she became a believer as well. And then the most important thing that would, would happen to me as far as I was concerned then was that if God gave us a family, that our children would become believers. And I have three boys, and my three boys are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to know that that's only by God's grace, number one. Number two, the the fact that we were discipled by older folks in the church we were going to who encouraged us to teach our kids at home and teach them the things that we were were being taught ourselves and things I remembered from my ultra-Orthodox Jewish background for part of my growing up. And one of the most important things that was instilled in me as a kid growing up in that, that Jewish background was teaching the word in the house. And that became the most important thing. And my three boys are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's only by God's grace. And my youngest son is a developmentally disabled adult, but he knows the Lord. My two older boys, when it came time to serve in the local church, I didn't have to ask them. They just stepped up and did it on their own. And it's because God called. And they responded. Of course, they saw things happening in our home in the fact that we had been called to ministry and they had experienced that call and that being sent for preparation, then being sent somewhere. I mean, they had to go. They had no choice. But what is God calling you to do? And in the end, those three little guys that were like this, this, and this, they're all grown up now. And they're basically, for the most part, they're on their own. So time is fleeting. What are you doing with what you've been called to do? Is God sending you? Perhaps you have a sense that God may be sending you somewhere. Well, these men, and in particular, if you look at verse 2, it says, here the Holy Spirit, who is God, says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. And they were sent. And Saul, who later on in the same chapter, look at verse 9 of Acts 13. But Saul, who was also known as Paul. See, Saul was a Jewish man of the tribe of Benjamin. So hence his name was very important. The first king of Israel was King Saul, who came from the tribe of Benjamin. And so there was still something about the tribe of Benjamin that was important. And when you look at the division of the, of the, the divided kingdom, the ten northern tribes, Israel and the southern kingdom of, of Benjamin and, and Judah, Benjamin remained loyal to the things of God. Saul was, a, was of the Sanhedrin. He was in leadership in Israel. And Saul, you know, was there back in the early part of the book of Acts, seeing to the stoning, the death of, of Stephen, and then went with letters of intent, I like to call them from out of the, my studies in the French Revolution, and, and was going up to Damascus to get those others who were Jewish and followers of the way and bring them back to Jerusalem and deal with them. And that's pretty difficult stuff to deal with. And I want to tell you something, that that kind of stuff still continues today. The people may not be named Saul, but when you have a rabbi, I'm only going to give you the first name, Rabbi Michael of Jews for Judaism, 
who is a rabid, they are a rabid anti-missionary organization. They want to stop guys like me from doing what I do. You're still facing, we still face the same thing. And when God called me to ministry, I thought I was going to be a church pastor. And my Jewish wife looked at me and said, but I'm not a church pastor's wife. And someone laughed a little bit, but that's true. She wasn't then. She may end up being now. There's some things that are happening. I'll tell you a little bit about that tomorrow. But the point is that she said to me this. She says she doesn't remember it. I remember it as clear as day. If you want to do something with our people, you go, that's fine with me. Let's do something with the Jewish people. I didn't want to do that. You have no idea how difficult it is to talk to a Jewish person about Jesus Christ. First of all, the only time I ever heard Jesus Christ growing up in my home was when it was used in a way that we should not use it. And then it was always about those Gentiles who only want to kill us Jews. So you see, there's a whole lot of stuff that has to be undone in someone's life in order for you to accept God's call. I did not want to go. But I also remember that I said to my wife, okay, fine, so I'll write some letters. And I wrote letters to different ministries and sent them off and... I wrote um, three letters in one summer to three different organizations, and the only one that answered me was a Jewish outreach ministry. And it's not that that man pursued me, but he came up alongside of me. You may have, they still have an archive of past messages that have been given here in chapel. You may want to listen to some messages that were delivered here by a man by the name of Bill Aiken back in the 1980s. Now, he still works with us part-time as our USA representative. But I didn't want to go. And I kept coming up with excuses why I shouldn't go. Um, I, I, I feel more comfortable working with people in a, a helping se- a setting I once was a clinical social worker. I worked in outpatient psychiatry, did that for 12 years. Um, I like to teach, and I do. I, I was a school teacher before I was a social worker. So you see, I am on my third career. But to do what God was calling me to do, no, I don't want to go there. But if God wants you somewhere, you're going to go. And I am, I guess, first-hand evidence of that. I was called, and I did not want to go. But here I am, telling you 28 years later, I have gone, and I'm very glad that I did. Let me share with you, then, some things that have recently happened in ministry that God called me to that I did not want to be a part of. And I want to share with you a story of a big giant man by the name of Tim. Now, we have 1020, right? It is, I have eight minutes. I can, there is a clock on the top of this thing. I met Tim three years ago. And Tim is not Jewish. But part of our ministry 
we have discovered over the years can be done in so many different ways. Yes, I've done chaplaincy work in, in, with uh, professional ball players at the big league and minor league level, and that's all well and good, but I've also, over the years, organized men's softball and baseball leagues. And for the last seven years, we've organized one in our end of Ottawa. We have three other men who work with me who are out of local Bible-believing churches, and we have about 65, 70 men, young, young men, who play softball with us in the summer, and about 60% of them do not know the Lord. And this is what's called the Ottawa East Men's Church Softball League, and we pray before we play that not only that, at least twice a year, the gospel goes forward, and that's my responsibility. I, I manage it and coach a team, but I also present the gospel very clearly. We have league meetings. We hand out brochures, tracts. And the last meeting of the year, I give a gospel message. It lasts about five, seven minutes. When you, learn to, when you work in the area of uh, Bible, uh, baseball chaplaincy, you learn very quick how to speak in seven minutes and give a gospel invitation. You don't have a lot of time. And so this man by the name of Tim, who came to us through an advertisement on Kijiji to play with us three years ago, um, the first year he was with us, he and his girlfriend, they're still living together, they live on the Quebec side. By the way, quick note, one of the most difficult things to deal with in ministry in the province of Quebec, there are more people living in common law relationships in Quebec than any other jurisdiction in the world, the Western world, right now. And Tim is in one of those relationships, and he and his spouse, Julie, lost a baby the first summer they were with us. And we have a number of believers on our team, and our guys just rallied around them, took care of them, and did our best to care for them at that, at that time. And then last year, he played about half a year and blew out his knee and couldn't play the rest of the season. He didn't think he was going to come back, and I kind of twisted his arm and had him come back because he's one big giant of a man and plays second base for us, and he is about six foot three and has arms about the width of a tree and legs the width of two trees, can run pretty fast, and can hit a ball 102 miles away. And I need a power hitter on my team. But back in June, I got an email from Tim, and Tim says, I didn't know who to ask about this, but, you know, we're having another baby. We knew that. And he said, I think it's time for me to get baptized. So there's an open door. So I wrote him back an email, and I said, well, that's interesting. Why do you want to get baptized? I would want to sit down and talk with you about it. And he says, well, I just think, he wrote back, he said, and this is how he talks. I just think I should. So we finally got together after trying to make an appointment or two, and he came over and sat in front of my house, third Thursday in July of this summer. And this big, giant man who can hit a ball 102 miles away was crying like a proverbial baby because he still had not resolved the loss of that baby two, two years ago. And Julie was going to have a new baby, another baby, and, and Riley was born uh, on August 28th, and all is well, thank God. And we're gonna, we haven't been able to go visit yet, but we are going to. And we have a relationship. Hillary and I have a relationship, a friendship with them. But the point is that this man wanted to get baptized. And so we talked about 
why do you want to get baptized? And we started comparing notes. When he was growing up, he went to a church in Renfrew in the Ottawa Valley, and there, was, there must have been a guy by the name of, there by the name of Leo, and the last name, and he goes, yeah, how'd you know him? I said, because his son was on my, was on my board for the first three years. And so you see, you get all these connections. And here is a guy who once was called to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, but had turned away. And about 20 years go by in your life. It was more important for him to play baseball than it was to be in church on Sunday. And his dad died about that time as well, and so there wasn't a lot of, you know, parental controls in the home, and he did what he wanted. But 20 or so years later, when things of life are rushing by you and are going by real fast, and you start to realize things are moving real fast, well... What do you do? And I kind of had a sense that this was what was really going on. And I spent two and a half hours with that man that day, this big giant of a man who can hit a ball 102 miles away, crying like a baby. And I said to him, you really wonder where Sophie is, don't you? And he did. And I shared with him that verse where King David is asked after the child that he was born... uh, to him and Bathsheba. That child was born out of a sinful relationship and God took the child. And his servant said to David, how come when the child was still with us, you didn't go to him and now you're, you're up? And, and David simply says, I, he, cannot, he cannot come to me, but I will go to him one day. And I, said, I showed, that, showed that to him in the scripture. I said, do you really think that God would take an innocent baby who doesn't know to be able to say yes or no? doesn't know the left or the right hand. You find that somewhere in the Bible, by the way. That baby is with God. And do you want to be there with Sophie? And yes, he did. And he accepted Jesus as his personal savior that day. Now, what's the point of the story? You go back to this portion here in the book of Acts. God calls. You've got to go. If you don't go, you will not have the absolute joy and privilege it is to sit with a big giant of a man crying like a baby. Give me a second. And know what it is to be used of God to lead someone to eternal life. And that's what happened that third Thursday in July of this summer. Now, what's God calling you to do? Where are you going to go? You don't know. But you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And are you ready, first of all, to be with him and to spend eternity with him? And eternity could be still a long ways off. We don't know when the Lord's coming back for us to take us out of here before the eventful, eventual judgment on planet Earth. But if God is calling you, would you submit to his lead and will you go? Father, thank you today for the privilege you give for us to be here. And may what has been in your word here this morning be used to draw people to you. And we ask this all now in Jesus' name. Amen.